Hi, my name is Scott Dahl, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm uh, really enjoying these. This is a series, and they build on themselves. So I would encourage you to go back to number one if you haven't already and just work your way through. What I'm doing is I'm going to uh, show you the tools that I use when I invest money. These will build on themselves, and and then eventually what I'll do is I'll get around to what I think is going to happen with the stock market, uh, with bonds, and with interest rates and with inflation. So the background that I give you, that'll help support uh, and and sort of educate you and just help support exactly what uh, I think is is going to happen. Obviously, nobody can predict the future, but I'm going to show you what I think. Uh, this podcast, I'm going to explain bonds and what they are. The reason I'm going to do that is because we're going to get into a little bit of the Federal Reserve going forward and discuss what their actions are. Uh, they use bonds, their government bonds as a tool to try to smooth out economic activity. And then we'll talk about duck hunting in Florida. So that's that's where we're headed. So what are bonds? Bonds are, a corporate bond would be uh, lending your money to a corporation. Whereas stocks, if you buy a share of stock in a corporation, you actually have ownership in that corporation. But a bond is different. You're lending the corporation your money. They're going to give you your money back after a specific period in time. And they're going to pay you this this set interest rate over that period of time until you get your money back. That's a corporate bond. There are different types of bonds. There are corporate bonds. There are government bonds. You've heard them referred to as treasuries, government treasuries. There are uh, bonds issued by cities and municipalities, municipal bonds. Those typically have some tax-free benefit to you for, to the of the dividend distributions. There are agency bonds, if I had mentioned those, issued by agencies of the U.S. government. There are savings bonds. So there are, there are many bonds. We'll uh, focus on the government treasuries for this video because one of the tools the government uses to try to put money into the system and pull it out of the system, trying to smooth the economic activity. What, what are the risks of bonds? There are three main risks of bonds. One is default risk. The second is interest rate risk. And the third would be inflation risk. There are other minor risks in bonds, but these are the, the three I think that are most important to us as investors. And the first is default risk. So look at a corporate bond. If you own a, a bond of a corporation and that corporation doesn't have the money to pay your interest rate, they won't. They're defaulting on that interest rate payment. And to take it a step further, if that corporation goes bankrupt, well, you may not or probably won't get your money back. That's a risk. It's default risk for corporate bonds. Now, if we look at government bonds, they're risk-free. Why are they risk-free? Because they're issued by the United States government. So it's up to you to determine whether if lending your money to the government has any risk. I'm going to say it doesn't. Most people in my position would say that's your risk-free asset. Now, there are different types of government bonds. There are different for different maturities. There are treasury bills, which are from four to 52 weeks. There are treasury notes, who are from typically two years to 10 years. And then there are treasury bonds that are from 20 to 30 years. So, and they T, treasury, they mean one and the same. So you have T bills, T notes, and T bonds. The government, when they uh, do their, what's called open market operations, using bonds, they will use the government bonds. So let's talk about bond fluctuation for a second. Treasury bonds or any bond, for example, will move up and down with interest rates. It's a mathematical fact. You can mathematically measure the amount of money that your bond is going to go down. If interest rates go up, the amount of mo money your bond is going to be go up in value as interest rates drop. And a simple example is, let's say you buy a government bond and you pay $1,000 for it and it's yielding or paying or yielding 5%. If interest rates go higher and somebody can buy a $1,000 bond at 6%, then they're not going to give you $1,000 for your 5% bond. So your bond is going to be worth less. Now, the same would be 
the other direction. If you buy a $1,000 bond at 5%, rates go down on that same exact bond, go down to 4%. Well, then your bond's going to be worth more because people would have to pay more to get your 5% yielding bond than to go into the mar open market and buy the $1,000, 4% bond. So bonds move inversely of interest rates. Bonds up, rates down. Bonds down, rates up. So that's the second risk. So you have default risk, you have interest rate risk. So if rates go higher, your bond is worth less, that's interest rate risk. The third risk is inflation risk. Let's say again, let's go back to that $1,000 bond at 5%. Let's say it's a 10-year bond, government bond. You're going to get your $1,000 back in 10 years. You get your, collect your 5% along the way. What if inflation goes higher? Well, that 5% is purchasing less. It's buying less goods. So you're, you have inflation risk because you could have possibly taken that $1,000 and invested in something that might grow with inflation, stocks maybe. Uh, so you could have invested in something else that would grow with inflation. But if you buy that bond, you're going to get 5% regardless of what inflation does. That, that's the third, third thing. One more thing I'll mention is you buy a government bond, it's going to fluctuate. It's going to go up and down with interest rates until it matures. But when it matures, if it's a government bond, the government stays solvent, you get your money back. So your interest and you get your money back. So why am I talking about government bonds? Because as we'll get into probably in the next episode is we'll talk about how the government uses their treasury bonds to stimulate or trying to slow down uh, the economy. So what, who is or what is the Federal Reserve? Back in 1907, there was a bank panic and we were the only developed country that didn't have a central bank. So we didn't have a central bank that would be able to push money out into the system and pull money back out of the system when it were necessary. So we had back in the 1800s and early 1900s, we had these extreme economic ups and downs. And a lot of it was because of perceived or potential insolvency of the banks. JP Morgan back in 1907, there was a bank crisis. So they, they went to him. He was a wealthy banker and he gathered up his buddies and they put a bunch of money in. And what they did is they virtually saved the bank's banking system by creating the solvency so the banks wouldn't just erupt. And he got tired of that. Well, we had these volatile economic periods because we didn't have a, a strong banking system. So what happened is, and here comes the duck hunting, the, um, some of the big bankers, they went down to Jekyll Island, Florida at a, at a resort and they sat down for, I think it was a period of week, maybe two weeks. And what they discussed was a central banking system. Then we had a need and they, they wanted to put it together. The interesting thing about it is they, when they checked in, they didn't use their last names and they told their family and friends that they were going duck hunting in Florida because they were concerned about the backlash from the public because the public at that time didn't trust the wealthy bankers. Secondly, as they didn't really want to reveal much to the government because they felt like the government would be opposed to having a central bank at that point in time. So they hashed things out and they ended up coming to a formatted federal bank. Now, it was a little bit different than what it is now, where each of the banks in the individual territories, they had discretion over their interest rate setting policies and their money in that particular area. It was decentralized, but uh, Woodrow Wilson, he signed this banking act in 1913 that created this federal bank. And it was better, but it wasn't quite as efficient because it, it was decentralized. The individual Fed branches, they were able to set their own interest rates and their own monetary policy 
they had to run it through the central bank. The central bank had uh, little to no influence or control over what these regional banks did. So after the depression, the government felt like that there was a real need to fix this banking system so we wouldn't have this ever again. And Roosevelt signed a uh, another act. This was 1935. He signed the Banking Act. And what the Banking Act did is it, it did a lot of things, but basically what it did is it centralized the Federal Reserve Bank. So the Federal Reserve, even though the, as it is today, the, the regional banking chairs, they have input, but the whole sole decision is the chairman of the Federal Reserve. So that's the Federal Reserve. What we'll get into next time is we'll get into what the Federal Reserve has done in the past, what they're currently doing to try to slow down the economy. So we'll bring it to current day and we'll discuss interest rates. My name is Scott Dahl, D-O-L-L. This is Dahl Capital Insights. My phone, 949-497-6366. You can reach me at scott at dollcapitaladvisors.com. I'd be more than happy to discuss things further with you. So thank you very much. And um, I appreciate you listening to my podcast. Thank you.